Hey there, welcome to the podcast. My name's Tim and I'm your host. On this episode, I sit down with Matt Gillett, Chief Commercial Officer at Slurp. We touch on his journey, the concept of change, whether food and hospitality has been disrupted forever, and what he misses most about Australia. Before we get into it, quick word from my sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Clayvio, Clayvio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Clavio gives you the tools to get growing faster. That's why it's trusted by over 30,000 e-commerce brands. Build your contact list, send emails that pop, and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit clavio.com slash your basket is empty to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com slash your basket is empty. Enjoy the episode. Matt, welcome to the podcast. How are you, mate? Good, Tim. Uh, been a while, and uh, I suppose it's the culmination of your was it thirty coffees in thirty days? Uh, Correct. That met, initiative, and, uh, t- yeah. Tim's Q four initiative. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So uh, good to be here, and uh, I sort of pitched wanting to be on the show. So glad I made the made the cut. <laughs> it's an illustrious list of of guests and and people that do want to be on the show. So yeah, you know, you're 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 very lucky. You're in great company. So I suppose it's always good to do a bit of a rewind, and we'll get into slurp, um, yeah. and you can kind of talk more about that. But like, what was going on before that? Talk me through your journey to slurp. Yeah, cheers. I um, I've always been in technology since you know finishing uni. Um, and my first job out of uni or during uni was at, at a startup, um, sort of just by chance, you know, just looking for, for, for work and, and ability to sort of validate what you studied or, um, and I, I found my way into a startup, which, you know, was high growth, um, very ambitious. And I really enjoyed a, f- a few things. One, the high octane environment. Be the ability to be empowered to take a risk, and then you know change things if that didn't pay off. You weren't sort of encumbered by history or policy or bureaucracy. And then I suppose the other thing in building tech, it was um, really cool to see how technology would change the way an economy could operate. So that whether that's consumption behaviour, efficiencies in in old processes. So prior to joining Slurp, I um, was part of the, uh, the foundation team of a business in Australia, um, which digitised the, the home sales process. So here in the UK, same within Australia, it's underpinned by a legal process called the Torrent System, very paper driven with checks and, and, and documentation it can take sort of six to 12 months. And what we did there was build like an equities exchange very similar to you know stock exchanges around the world that allow people to buy and sell their property so you know turn the process into a matter of days not a matter of months you know matter quicker faster and now that's part of the sort of economic fabric of australia um and that company was bought out by jp morgan and a couple of other banks um so you know at that stage i was uh on my way which is the case when you sort of go from a you know part of the startup team to when the new owners come in <laughs> and through my connections in um at that business i was introduced to jp the founder of slurp really uh really liked his vision i liked his approach to brands i liked his tenacity to sort of 
barrel out of the the corporate uh, the corporate world uh, and have a go at making really cool donuts, building a cool brand and a, and a beautiful product. Um, so I thought, yeah, this is great. I'm, I'm half British and was always keen to, to live here and, and show my now family, my two kids and my wife, sort of the other side of where I'm from. And uh, so, yeah, jumped on the slurp, um, on, the, on the slurp path and I've been here for just a tick over a year. That's cool. So um, we'll get on to the kind of crosstown connection in a little bit, but can you tell me a little bit more about like what is Slurp, what's the mission um, and kind of where are you guys at right now? Yeah, so with Slurp, it actually stands, people often ask what, what the name stands for. It's not like, you know, you, you call sort of startup, pick a noun and spell it a different way. It <laughs> stands for simple language ERP. Um, so what that means is, uh, and how that connects to our vision is allowing people to buy, uh, which is, you know, your e-commerce and your payments component, allow merchants to fulfill, which is process orders and, you know, book couriers. And then the third part of our business is knowing the data that you get through Slurp and your POS and other systems, tell them what they need to make or allow them to plan better. If you know what they're selling and know what they're making, then you can uh, help them plan better to, you know, buy ingredients, um, plot out their routes if they're delivering themselves. So, you know, the, the vision is to be, I suppose on the front end is to allow a consumer or more to allow a merchant to provide their consumers the ability to purchase their products any way they want. So naturally, the high street will always uh, be the predominant option, but also allowing them to buy online direct with their brand, whether it be through their website, through their Instagram, um, whether they want it now, later in the day, or in the future. Um, that's the you know our front end objective, and we've we've largely achieved that. Um, so yeah, we're twenty four seven e commerce availability. Uh, predominantly stacked in the food space and um, you know those that use slurp their customers can can now buy any time of the day and get the products that they love and so i never knew that about the the simple language erp that's really yeah, good yeah. um so the what 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 does the team look like at the moment so this is and and, and um because uh, it's growing I mean, we can talk about what's going on at the moment in terms of the, the current climate and how that's impacted. But yeah, what does your team look like? And maybe talk me a little bit through the kind of funding journey you guys have had thus far. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one thing I really love about London, I'm not sure who said this, but it's like you can be super anti-establishment and that's iconically London. You can be super protective of your history and, um, you know, of the old hat and that's iconically London. And then you can also fit in anywhere in between. The cool thing that I've liked about London being, you know, from abroad is that it's a real melting pot of culture um, and a really strong cosmopolitan city, which is really fun. And our business reflects that. We suppose as far as personnel goes, I think we've got about eight or nine countries now part of the team. So Australia, New Zealand, uh, the Philippines, Japan, uh, Scotland. Uh, of course, the UK, uh, sorry, England. Um, so, so, yeah, um, on the personnel side, it's been 
you know, a really cool way to, to meet people from around the world and have Slurp as, a, as our focus. As far as our core sort of capabilities, if you will, um, I look after the commercial side of the business and the general running of the, the company. We've got, you know, product design um, from sort of front end and, and product creation, a big tech team that does all, all our coding, uh, and then a, a, a support staff. Our live orders, if you will, you know, the same day stuff, that runs from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. So a big part of our um, sort of offering to merchants is to support them through live transactions. And uh, yeah, we're about about 20 now, um, just taking on a couple of extra people to help us in uh, account management and also running our operations as we've taken on more careers and also expanding into other types of career options such as, you know, next day shipping or, you know, national international type um options yeah right and i mean you touched before on 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 jp and the, and the crosstown team so how, how are they kind of um involved um other than jp being the, the founder are they are they like is it financially and i suppose what does it look like having a, a kind of brand that's already um solidified like part of the business like what, what has been the learnings and kind of takeaways there yeah, so yeah, JP Fenn, the founder, um, and he is also the founder or co-founder at Crosstown Donuts. Uh, I suppose how he arrived at the idea was that in the pre-slurp, the sort of three to four years he'd been running Crosstown Donuts, he'd built a, a strong brand, a strong following, and, and, a, and a really beautiful product. But he had no way to directly service his customers to do deliveries, to do online orders, and to really collect the data, monitor the sentiment, and build um, or create new new products and services for his customers. And that was the gap he saw in the market. Um, so we spun off a new initiative called Slurp. Um, with that, we you know largely bootstrapped. We've taken on um, some funding, but it's it's more through sort of connections that we have in industry, um, but no nothing in, of the sort of VC type bracket. Yep. Um, so largely just been through you know sweating that uh, as much as we can to build you know the operating platform that we have today. As far as Crosstown goes, the business and my involvement with them is very limited. It's I'm involved with Crosstown just as much as I'm involved in any other merchant from a, you know, a yep. supplier customer relationship. And that's about yep. it. Um, JP uh, is still very much involved in that business. The benefit for us uh, we've found is being built from an operator background. You do understand the sensitivities of what it means to be an operator and how to service your customers from an operator perspective. That um, has been really helpful in building a platform that works for merchants. Uh, additionally, um, as we release new features to the market, we do have a, a safe operating ground to test them with the Crosstown mm -hmm. team, refine them before they're launched to the other market. But naturally, um, there are also some challenges in that. Crosstown is a bakery concept. Um, and what you do in a bakery concept, which is a, a static item, versus what you do uh, within booze or with a pizza place or with burgers is different. So, you know, our, our foundation was very much built on understanding the, the bakery space, 
and then we've had to evolve and improve our products so that we can work for you know for hot food for alcohol um, which has you know certain challenge 25 um, requirements that you need to meet but largely super positive I've never been in the experience you know in my previous career it's always sort of been tech first um, think you have a problem and build the tech to solve it and then realize it may not have a fit this is sort of flipped to say building a product to solve a, a real life um, challenge of a big business and then being able to then allow others to benefit from that R&D that we did in the early stages with Slurp and Crosstown. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a common theme where you're trying to solve the problem and looking for customers as opposed to that flip where you've got the customer who's <laughs> feeding yeah. into your problem solving. But that's an interesting concept there where that can also provide challenges as you try to build and scale. Um, that's really interesting. Um, and I suppose, you know, the, 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 the rather large elephant in the room is, I didn't really want to, to be honest, dwell on like COVID. I feel there's so much literature and media and, and, and just didn't really want to talk about that, to be honest. <laughs> However, yeah. we can't, uh, you know, ignore the concept. I suppose I wanted to maybe think about the concept of change. So how has like the recent period changed what you guys are doing at Slurp? I certainly personally have noticed numerous restaurants that i would have you know frequented prior to this big change using the the, the slurp platform so w what have you guys seen has it been huge increases have there been big challenges talk me through it yeah sure it's 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 sort of hard to pin down and to articulate in a really pithy sense um because it, it feels like every week's different uh um from our perspective you know we're a business that that's aligned itself to the hospitality industry you know we don't um, charge setup fees or an ongoing license fee. Um, we just thought by doing that, the focus is on selling seats and then not actually aligning to the value of, gro of growth. So we're a business that only succeeds when the merchant itself is able to sell directly to their customers and provide an experience directly to their customers. So on one side, um, because the doors have been shut, um, it has meant that many new merchants have focused on giving a digital option direct to their customers and um, you know, hundreds of new sites and brands, really cool brands across the UK have onboarded to Slurp and that's been awesome. Um, on the flip side, it's also been really tough for us because some of our long-standing businesses are now shut um, and, and when they're shut, we're shut too because we're aligned to their, their operations. So there's been really significant gains, a lot of new merchants coming on and doing really well. Um, but also we've, we've seen some challenges because some of our um, longest standing customers aren't operating at the moment. And, you know, both of us are still not clear when, when that will be. We're just, you know, it's sort of a week by week, week thing. I think sort of the environmental pressure of this has been um, an opportunity for brands to think about how they can do things differently. Um, many, you know, would, would high street only or high street with a marketplace. Um, now they're also those combinations, but with a direct-to-consumer channel, um, allowing customers to buy direct, order ahead for pickup and contactless ordering through Slurp, um, or also focusing on delivery for today or, or future orders. We've seen a massive growth in future orders, and by that I mean I want to order X uh, for dinner next Friday. And that's been quite helpful for brands because um, they've been able to better plan what ingredients, what staff, 
um, they need to set for those shifts. And we've seen that that's been a highest growth area during this period. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I mean, I've certainly been availing of a lot of those <laughs> merchants that you've got. My own, my only gripe is, and I totally get it, that, that the um, the delivery radius is sort of touching on where I live in Walthamstow and it's not, I don't think they're quite there yet, but I'm sure that, that they will yeah, get yeah. there. So, I mean, we haven't really talked about it, but something I've seen uh, from a lot of those merchants that you talk about is is a is a bit of a, a shirking of, of services like Deliveroo. Um, because I presume because they they've got an independent mindset and they want to kind of like you know work with other independent brands. So how do you v- view the other marketplace apps and, and and I suppose how do you guys differentiate yourselves? Yeah, cool. So I'm I'm a, I'm a massive fan of, of the marketplace model from a consumer perspective. Um, you know, my wife and I we may not know what we want, but we don't want to cook. So a natural place to start is to go on Deliveroo um, or Uber Eats or Just Eat, you know, the big three here in the UK. Um, and they provide, uh, you know, a lot of convenience for the consumer. And additionally, they provide a really easy model for um, food brands to get started. Now, we get this question a lot, like I have no, it's not a, a competition thing. We service different markets. Um, you know, I'm in, uh, I'm in East London. I live in Victoria Park. Um, so if I want to eat Bistro Tech, which is a beautiful restaurant uh, near where I live, I can go direct to them and get what I want. And, and you know, Slurp is the, the partner that's, that's, you know, really, really stoked and really happy to be serving that element of their business. So that's it's sort of different by buying psychologies. If I want to go to a marketplace, pick the, the food category that I like, um, that serves a purpose. If I am a, a loyal, long-standing customer of that brand, I go direct to them and I can get, the, for me, the same experience. I can buy what I want, buy it immediately, track my order to my home, um, and then for the merchant, they can operate and you know cook the food, prepare the food and hand over to the courier the same way that they have um, done with the marketplaces. I would say this period would be a challenge um, you know, the high street, the bread and butter operation of any restaurant um, that would bring in, you know, the, the customers who would, would dine in um, and probably spend higher ticket, um, high basket values or higher table values. Whereas with the, the high street shut or restricted, um, naturally margin and costs reduction becomes a, a really key focus, uh, like always a key focus, but and more acutely so now. Um, you know, there is no secret that the marketplaces charge a higher commission for the services they offer compared to Slurp. Um, so we, we see um, people like the, the, the sort of merchant profiles that we have in Slurp, those who run premium restaurants that only want to service their um, customers directly and not be on a marketplace because they prefer that experience. Yeah. Uh, the other type is... They like the marketplaces because it brings them volume and gives them exposure um, on a really dense consumer platform. But they also like to offer the direct option to their customers um, themselves. And um, we work in, 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 in really good, good harmony with them. We're you know, doing some integrations at the moment. So our data and the marketplace data goes into the same spot so a, a merchant can actually fulfill those orders at the same time without having to look at two tablets or two systems. 
So yeah, I'm all, I'm all for it. Um, I can see, I suppose, you know, if I was running a restaurant and being charged a high commission, how that could put some pressure on costs. Um, and I think that's probably where um, the, uh, you know, some of the potential adverse feedback may be. But like anything, um, you know, options are good for consumers, options are good for merchants, and you'll never hear the slurp team sort of, we don't want to be the that anti-hero, you know, see some people sort of pitching against, say this, <laughs> yeah. throwing away the group. All for it, and you know these guys. A lot of these guys also started in similar positions to us. They had an idea, they created it, they took the risk, um, and it's hard work. So you know, you know, yeah. good luck to them. We're we're an option uh, for merchants that we work really well with in conjunction with the marketplaces or direct um, to Slurp uh, as a sole provider. Yeah, I mean, I see a lot of similar commentary in the the, the general e-com space, and, and you know, a, a good example with Amazon versus Shopify, right? And it's like Amazon's where you go to get stuff that you you need, and then Shopify, direct consumer is where you go to get something that you, that you want. But you know, they both serve purposes. So yeah, that, that that's interesting insight from this um, slightly uh, different space. But we we you we've kind of been talking about this concept of change. Yeah. Um, and, and you touched on some interesting points there from the merchant perspective, but I'd be keen to get your take on, I suppose, maybe specifically food and hospitality, but it could be broader consumerism. And like, do you think this change period is going to permanently disrupt everything? Or are we so habitual that it's like a momentary blip and, you know, in a year and a half, we'll kind of be looking at this thinking it was just a weird time and we're all back to, you know, Q4 2019 sort of behavior. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we are living in an atypical environment. You know, you and I, this is the probably the biggest disruption to our lives. You know, in our lifetime, we're, we're similar ages. You know, we've never been through any sort of event that's impacted society in the way this has. And naturally, you know, I'm sure as part of our, you know, dialogue in the future with your friends and family is what were you doing during COVID will be, you know, a campfire story or a, or a <laughs> yeah. pub. Um, but, you know, uh, history is a hard thing to, to, to shake when it, when it comes to um, consumer patterns. And I suppose I'll, I'll, I'll provide you the example of a, a data view, not a, a sort of a, an opinionated view. We run seven days a week. Um, 60% of our volume um, for on-demand orders happens between the hours of five and nine, Friday and Saturday. And in during heavy, heavy lockdown, every day was a Saturday or every day was a Monday. It didn't really matter. Um, mm. However, people still rewarded themselves with their favourite food, um, you know, took time off of making, making dinner or, or wanting to clean up, um, and they're still ordering the way they would when pre-COVID. Um, and in any, you know, sort of long historical thing, if there's a, if it's a blip in environmental change, usually things regress back to the mean anyway. However, this isn't something by the looks of things that's, that's not going to end soon. And, and I mean, in the sense that, you know, the sort of health impacts that, that are currently at risk for people, but also some of the policies and regulations, which, you know, are still formulating, uh, at the moment. So, you know, it is likely that density within an establishment will be restricted. However, staff costs, you know, uh, costs of ingredients, rent, insurance and stuff largely remains fixed um, for, for its unit cost. 
So a way to be able to um, combat against that is offer your customers um, different options. If you're a pub and you've got a capacity of 100 that say, should it be restricted to 25? Well, you, you need to service those other 75 who can't make it on premise a different way. So, you know, I think in time we'll get back to the way we were, but as far as the industry that, that I operate in and with my peers in similar, you know, similar businesses, I think there will be a, a higher adoption of these tools as core business. You know, pre-COVID for many it was kind of a nice to have. Now it's essential and I think that essential need will, will live on for a while. And, you know, I would like to see that Slurp we keep evolving and delivering cool stuff um, and really excited by new tech that comes out that helps the hospitality industry, um, you know, that we, A, we can partner with or, or B, we can learn from. So that's really interesting. And as part of the research, I, I read an interesting piece um, that JP mentioned from the Crosstown perspective, which is kind of looking at that uh, concept from the merchant lens. And yeah, that kind of nice to have element suddenly became <laughs> critical. And I think he was talking about like uh, Crosstown originally had some uh, radius that they delivered and they would, you know, it was always on the back burner to go, yeah, we'll increase the radius at some time. And then suddenly it was like, that's the only option, you know, to increase it from five miles to 12 miles or whatever. We need to do that to survive. But I wonder, yeah, that getting, taking that concept of regression and time and like the speed at which brands or general businesses had to innovate during this period, I would say is you know, incredibly high. Do you think that that level of innovation is maintainable or is it only within these exceptional circumstances? Yeah, I mean, innovation, I mean, for me and my experience of being in being able to develop um, innovative things, if, if you will, um, it's largely been environmentally driven. So the, the previous business I was with, the reason why that worked in, you know, between 2011 and 2019 was because the old way of working, um, you know, transacting property was largely paper-based, and but the office is largely digital. Um, the way we pay for things now is um, online, predominantly, or cashless, whereas the way to buy property in Australia at the time was with bank checks, and something to the tune of 90-plus percent of all bank checks in circulation were for the purchase of property. So that became no longer feasible to be able to do so. So, I mean, so timing and the environmental challenges or, or, or pressures of that time will influence the innovation that comes out. So at the moment, um, you know, for us at Slurp, it's been a really strong direction for us to deliver things and deliver them quickly. Um, what's helped in that is merchants having an acute awareness of what they need to continue operating and to continue to, to grow or service customers during this period. But when, when things go back to normal, and, you know, I worked, I, I ran a restaurant for nine years, you know, throughout uni and then as I started my career. When you're in that space, whether it's, you know, if you're the general manager of the store or if you're the owner, it's a really, um, it's a really full-on day. You know, service is a rush. You have no time to think. You just need to nail, you know, nail the covers. And then before that, it's prep work. And after that, it's making sure your rosters are done you have all your ingredients and, and your accounts sorted. 
So you don't really have that time to think about delivering new things. Um, so I'm, I'm, I have no doubt that when we go back to a more normal, um, or, or when I say more normal, uh, the life that we, um, you know, we're experiencing pre-March, um, things will likely slow down as the focus will shift from doing things digitally to having an omni-channel um, operation. Mm, yeah, yeah, I think that that's an interesting perspective and yeah i totally get the uh <laughs> the the experiences you had in the restaurant i took some time out of my uh, professional career to become a cook and uh it's yeah it was a wild ride um so i'm keen to like sort of touch more and a little bit about how you have have maybe uh felt some of the change have you yourself noticed any of your consumer patterns or stuff that's like happened uh, in your life over this period. And a, a good example being I've noticed that I've become much friendlier with my neighbours, which has been a, a lovely um, sort of outcome, an unexpected outcome. We've got to know people on the street a lot more. Has there been anything like that that you've noticed over the last couple of months? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've kind of been a bull out of a gate for the last 10 years just trying to, you know, that sort of that, that period was getting married, having children and, and trying to establish some, you know, level of financial security to give my kids a, a, uh, a you know, a good home to grow up in and, and in a loving and, you know, nurturing and educated environment. Um, and then, you know, trying to build my career. And I never really had the opportunity, I've never thrusted an opportunity or, you know, a situation where I needed to sit down and think about the things that are, that are really important to me because um, I was just, running in, in a straight line and trying to do the best I could. Yeah, Tim, I agree, you know, speaking to the neighbours, having a chat, learning about where they're from, which was, you know, prior to that was just, hi, how are you going, kind of small talk. Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've made new friends. I think, uh, you know, looking at this, I appreciate, you know, with, with the whole concept of key worker and essential worker and, you know, your doctor, your nurse, your teacher, police officer, fireman, ambulance person you don't you sort of take all that for granted because it's always been there and you know coming from australia and living in england all those services are really well provided for and i've always had them so i never really gave that any thought i just accepted it right but and even in in things you know things like the supermarket or people who make food or small business mm. when um when society you know comes to a standstill or is shut down the things that you really need, uh, you, you realise that you, you probably didn't give the appreciation that you should have. Um, so I think, you know, for me personally, um, it allowed me to sort of take a, a rain check uh, on, uh, sorry, take a take a, a pause on things and, and, and see, you know, what was important for me, develop new friendships and relationships and focus on that more and appreciate the things that potentially I took for granted. And I'm, I'm glad on a personal level that I, had that that experience yeah it's always nice i think that you know whenever there's kind of a a big event whatever it is i mean what's interesting i feel with this event is it's that perspective that one gains usually happens on a micro level right like you would as 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 humans we have either tragedy or something fantastic happens but it's usually to you know yourself or your family or someone immediate now we've got this blanket where it's a macro event that everyone's experiencing and I'm always, yeah, it's interesting to find those kind of little bits of individual micro perspective that come out of it. But I'm keen to, so you're from Australia. What, <laughs> what do you miss most about Oz and what is the best thing about living in London? 
Yeah, I mean, I never really missed Australia till it, it was something I couldn't actually, it was a place I couldn't go to, which at the moment is off limits. Um, I'm married to a, a, a Japanese lady um, and my kids are, you know, dual citizens of both countries and um, but we're not citizens of each other's country. So travelling back to our respective homes was an option during this time. Um, I So, I, you know, I, I do make me think about my folks and my friends, in particular my grandparents, you know, I've still got three of them around and yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're getting older and knowing that the opportunity to see them is getting harder. You know, I miss that, but that's, you know, I'm not Robinson Crusoe there. That's common for it, for everybody. Um, the... The things that I that I miss about Australia are some you know some of my favourite restaurants, some of the bars that I like to drink at, uh, my favourite beer, which is VB. Thank um, <laughs> God. It's probably not good for the reputation, but you know. <laughs> um, but I suppose for me, I don't miss it sort of because I know it's always there. I can always go back, and you know it's a long way, but you know it only takes a day to get there, and I'll always have it. I really love living in in London. I love to be able to walk down the street knowing that there's, you know, thousands of years of history. Um, you know, you don't get this. And uh, back in Australia, you go, you know, 10 miles down the road and people use a, a different, have a different accent or, you know, there's a different pocket of, of you know, you've got a different communities around London, you know, with, with great food, which is really has a strong tie to its ethnic roots. Um and I do like that. I, I just feel that you know anyone can fit in here. It doesn't really matter who you are. Um, there's always someone you can associate with and, and find a common ground, um, and you know a really strong culture um, in and around uh, like art, history, um, urban culture, uh, you know graffiti. All those kind of things are really foreign in, in Australia, um, and you know, I, I just feel that I could I could live here in London in particular. I could live here for the rest of my life and really not even scratch the surface. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, it, it, it you know, it's a cliche, but the melting pot concept really does exist. Like I, w- I was back in Oz for my sister's wedding um, over Christmas, and we were driving from. Um, uh, country Victoria to Adelaide and we went through uh, we stopped in Ararat not Ballarat Ararat yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah it's, it's <laughs> my my partner who's English she'd never been to Australia oh no no we had been to Australia previously but we'd never been to country Australia and it was a yeah it was a it's it's the wild west out there you know literally like that's yeah, like, yeah that's know, right. gold, gold country right from yeah from, that's from, right I suppose you touched on I do I do miss seeing the stars I mean I grew up in on the other side of Victoria, but a long way out of the city, um, you know, with a lot of farms and that. So, you know, I did miss seeing the stars, which you don't get to see here in, in London. Um, but the cult, yeah, the, you're right on the, the cultural the cultural melting pot. I mean, I come from Victoria, from Melbourne, and people say, you know, multicultural city. But, you know, London's got that, like, you know, exponentially different in orders of magic. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think it, a lot of it comes with just with the density, right? It's a big city you know loads of people and it's just like yeah it's a very very interesting place so um i'm keen to kind of sort of bring it towards a close um and like so what's on the radar for the the rest of the year for you guys at slurp and and kind of beyond like what are you thinking yeah for sure you know we we launched to the market last year 
Um, we, had, we had three test customers prior to that, which was Hummingbird Bakery, Crosstown Donuts, and Jalupo. And I mean, you always just have to be so appreciative of those guys because when you build something and think it's good, um, it really takes a lot of investment of faith and trust in you to actually use it and put their reputation um, on the line to do that. So in that time, you know, fast forward almost a year, um, we look after around five to 600 sites across the UK, so we've expanded outside of London. By Christmas, you know, as far as the number metrics go, I'd love for that to be a 1,000 um, and have a greater presence across, you know, across the UK. Um, and we're fielding a lot of interest out of foreign markets, which is exciting. That's probably not on, on the near term. I think for now, the UK, London as our home, UK as our, you know, operating territory, we'd like to just keep innovating. Um, you know, we've built tools which allow people to order via QR code um, so they can, you know, order at the table or order at the premise without having, you know, contactlessly um, doing further integration so people can leverage data and draw insights, you know, do fleet optimization. Um, and one thing we've always really been focused on is allowing merchants to get to market quickly if, you know, when they're ready. So provided they've got their, their, their you know, what their menus and the images, that menu um, and their operating hours. Um, our best case scenario is 25 minutes. Someone called us, did the onboarding process themselves and they were live in 25 minutes. And we just want to make the tech easy, um, valuable, uh, and um, allow people to do what they do best and allow Slurp to complement them um, to grow outside the four walls of their, of their establishment. Great. So final point then, and this is a free range plug, <laughs> where can people find you? Where, where can they go? Absolutely, at slurp.com, S-L-E-R-P.com. Um, you know, we've, we've remodeled our website. It was probably it was probably pretty shit, actually. We got some feedback. People are like, oh, <laughs> <I've heard laughs> nice customer feedback there, yeah. Oh, it's cool. Yeah, I, mean, I, I prefer a straight talker, you know. Like, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no messing around. Yeah, I heard your name and my mate uses you, but I don't really know what, he's, what, what it is. So now, really simple now, you, know, you can see some of our customer profiles to, to look at the way others are embedding the platform uh, and you can get involved. Um, you know, we've got a team here in London where um, we can get in touch with. Um, and uh, I, I suppose with anything, you know, I've been on a few webinars uh, and, and sort of industry forums of late and people say, you know, what's your best, the best advice that you have? And to me, it's quite simple is just give it a go. Um, actually, I'm biased towards Slurp. So, you know, of course, I would love if you're looking to, you know, offer the, 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 the solutions we provide to the market. Of course, I'd love it to be Slurp. But if it's not Slurp, give someone else in our, in our patch a go. There's plenty of other options out there. Um, pick the, the best one for you um, because it's at the moment, it's the right time to do it. You can sort of take a punt on something that you may not be familiar with, test it out, um, and really make it work because you are some somewhat um have that opportunity to do it to, to embark on a on a new op operation within your business so give it a go get in touch and um yeah yeah no that's a really good point right i think there's, there's very few times where you're unencumbered and i think that's very sage advice matt mate thank you so much for joining me that was great cheers mate
there you have it. Thanks for joining me and a big shout out to Matt for being on the show. If you want to learn more about Slurp, go check them out at slurp.com. Before I go, a quick word from my sponsor, Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. If you want to learn more, go visit them at klaviyo.com slash your basket is empty. And finally, if you like the podcast, please like, review, download, subscribe, and I'll see you next time. Cheers.